everyone. Thank you for taking our time again out of your busy schedule to join another episode of Have Your Say, where we get to speak out and change the narrative. And um, so fortnight ago, we focused on how do we begin to empower the black female gender. And then we had wonderful guest speakers who focused on the ladies. So tonight we're going to focus on the men, right? So it's all about the boys tonight. So I do have wonderful guest speakers with me. Okay, so I'll get them to introduce themselves. We're still waiting for one speaker, but I think um, uh, we would admit him as we go along. Okay, so we have um, Mr. David Edem. So Mr. David Edem is one of the director of the oil and gas uh, sector in the UK. I will get him to speak about what he does a little bit more. And also my second guest speaker is Michael. So Michael is a chartered engineer with one of the biggest oil and gas company in the UK as well. And so I, would, I, I won't say much about what they do, but I'll get them to introduce themselves a little bit more. And so, and also I just want to thank you, the audience as well, for taking our time and for uh, out of your busy schedule to log in tonight. Also, we are uh, streaming live on podcast um, and also we will get time to address questions. Um, but also, uh, if you have any other questions as we go along, just be free and raise up your hands uh, using the hands tag button in Zoom and I will call your name and we'll, uh, where you can ask your question. Um, so I think what we, we well, what we discussed last week, I think we didn't have time to cover our spectrum. Um, so if we have time today, maybe we will address the question. So there was a question about culture and social norm. Okay. So, but that was left hanging and we didn't have time to address that. But tonight is all about focusing on the male. How do we begin to empower the male uh, black male gender, knowing what's been happening and how do we begin to address all these issues and so on. So before, uh, so the way it's going to go, I will ask my first guest speaker a question and I will throw that same question to my second guest speaker. Okay. And also it's kind of Friday night. Uh, so it's, let's be relaxed. Okay. It's not, it's not, Former, informal. So let's have that conversation ongoing. So it's just to um, get the audience attention as well. So, uh, Mr. David, I will get you first to introduce yourself and tell the audience what you do, your profession, and any other information you like to pass on. Okay, thanks for having me. It would be nice. I know a couple of the people on the calls have cameras off, so it would be nice to be able to speak to a person. So if it's not too much trouble, please turn it on. But um, um, my name is David Adam. I am, well, before before my job, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad of two. I'm a husband and, and, and a dad of two children, um, which has been, I think I have a lot of respect for teachers uh, after homeschooling for a for, for dur during the COVID period. But um, my, for my job, I am the director for digital data and information for Crisor, a company many people have never heard of, but it's actually the 
largest producer of um, oil and gas in the UK. So we're probably heating up your homes today. And uh, early in the morning. Um, my day job involves looking after everything to do with um, how we use data intelligently, using machine learning, new technologies, artificial intelligence, um, robotics, and a whole bunch of other aspects to improve efficiency in my business, as well as uh, produce hydrocarbons. So that's me. Okay. Okay. Thanks, uh, David. And so I'll come to you, Michael. Michael, do you want to introduce yourself and Thanks, tell the Matilda. audience what you do? Thanks, Matilda. I'll start off saying uh, David stole my first line of my introduction. Um, I think my primary job is I'm a dad. Uh, I've got two little girls quite young so I'm not having to do any homeschooling or anything. Um, professionally I'm a chartered engineer um, with the UK Engineering Council and um, with the UK Energy Institute. So as a day job um, I'm a lead engineer for a major integrated energy company. Um, I work in the Middle East business so primarily um, I look after managing major oil and gas assets for um, major governments in countries like Iraq, Kuwait, um, Abu Dhabi, and a couple of other countries out there. So it's, it's primarily around helping national governments understand um, the scale of their resource, be it oil and gas accumulations, uh, putting together development plans as to how to successfully and economically exploit them, uh, bring those products to market, uh, and do all of this whilst keeping everybody safe and making sure people go home after doing their day jobs. Thank you, Michael. Um, so, um, LBD, do you want to say one or two things about yourself? Akan, anyone? I'm flattered. Um, I'm not the guest speaker today, so I will not um, go into the show. I'm just LBD. That's <laughs> my name. Thank you for the speaker, and there we are. Okay. Okay. Okay, so uh, let's crack on with questions. So uh, the first question to you, uh, Mr. David, as well. So do you see a gap uh, in the number of uh, male uh, people? Uh, male, uh, do you see a gap in the number of uh, male uh, professions in your company, in, in your profession? Do you see a gap in the number of black male in your profession? Yes. It's a short answer to a long question. It's uh, mm. I I am used to consistently being the only black person in in the room in meetings in conferences and mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I'm lucky enough to operate at quite a senior level in in um, in my organization, but in also other organizations I've worked in. And <clears throat> while you quite often in many occasions or in, in, in many settings, we'll see people of color and black people. I guess mm -hmm. as you get more senior, there mm -hmm. are fewer of us. And um, it's it's usually, it's, I don't notice it all the time, but the reality is it's, there are not very many people like us who, who do what we do to be fair. And uh, it would be mm -hmm. great if that changes. Mm, okay. 
I think that just alluded to my next question. So obviously in the leadership roles as well, you've just said that as you move up the ladder, it's, it's quite narrow, isn't it? Okay. Um, all right then. So Michael, uh, you work in a very um, multinational uh, company as well. So do you see a gap in the number of uh, black people in your profession? Um, I'd echo David's uh, answer in saying yes. Um, I think for me, I started with my within the industry and um, in, with my current employer at um, a graduate level, so straight out of uh, graduate school. And there were a few of us who were a bit more back then, at least you could count them maybe on one hand. Uh, but you notice uh, the longer you spend, the more senior you get, the numbers start to reduce until you get to a point where um, you're consistently the only black person, the only black man in the room and um, at some point I think you get to a point where you don't necessarily realize it anymore it just becomes a part of your day job it's a part of your life every day and you're only brought to that realization when you run into another black person and you go yo you're here you're here and you have that moment of like interaction uh, with the two of you and what brings it to I think what brings it for me to the forefront um, would usually be the reaction of a lot of other people in the room going like how do you know that person and then you yeah. stood there asking how do I start to explain that I've only just realized I haven't seen another person who kind of looks like me in these settings a while um yeah. so yeah um like uh, just to 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 summarize that yes um there are our numbers a few and um the higher you go the longer you spend um you see those numbers thinning out even more mm, okay yeah um obviously that's an issue isn't it um okay and um, before i move to the next question any comment from anyone Yes, I do have a comment. Um, I will not disagree with them, but I just want to put what they call in French a bemol. I want to put a bit of water into my wine, as they say in French. Why? Um, I see it um, in terms of statistics as well. Um, we live in a community whereby we are not majority, we are minority. That's one. And Second, um, as Mike rightly said, I've been in that experience myself. I can tell you that where I am now, we are more, anyway, Mike, I'm in Newcastle now. I'm no longer in London. Okay. <laughs> it's even worse. Um, there are days when, where I am, I never see any other black person. Um, it becomes second nature, as you stated, but I, Personally, here I see it in two points. Statistics, we are not many. Second, probably we are in the qualified jobs and also our youngsters, primarily born here, they are not following those kind of field of. So over to you, those two points. Okay. The oh, valid points, if you don't mind me stepping straight in, they're valid points, but um, I would have to respectfully disagree. And what I mean by that is the fact that if you look at the percentages of, you know, yes, the United okay, sure. Kingdom is, is a predominantly white country. And um, that's a fact. 
but the numbers of professionals, relatively highly educated professionals or and business people in relatively senior positions are not proportional to the the, the proportion of black people in this country. So it, it is not unusual to be a, an only black person in a room, but let's say for this, I don't know what the numbers are. I need to check, I think something like three or 4% or so of the UK is black, for example, right? If it's 3%, you would expect that of all senior roles in the UK, about 3% should be representative of that, of black people. So, I would argue it's significantly lower than that. If you look at the FTSE 100, for example, and you look at the board positions in the FTSE 100, um, the big question is how many black people are represented on the board of top companies in this country? Mm, mm, mm. So again, even though you'd expect a minority, it should be proportional to the population size. And is very far from that. So that's why there is a bit of an issue there. Mm, 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 mm. Maybe maybe I'll take on the second point which um, LBD raised, which is around um, the young stars who were born here, as you put it, not following um, in, in the paths that some of us, um, I proudly call myself a first generation immigrant. Um, basically, it's one of those things, a title which I have claimed, and I'll tell you that first before you tell that to me. Um, um, there's, um, there's an association of uh, black engineers in the UK, um, and I'm struggling to remember that guy's name who had a talk uh, within my organization recently. And some of the stats which he quoted, I'll look them up and maybe share them with you, Matilda, was um, in education, cool. especially when it comes to STEM, you find black people making up well over 20% of candidates of people who are in science, technology, engineering, and math education. But when you come into the industry, you come into work where STEM is actually practiced, you yeah. find those numbers a lot lower. Yeah. And there are lots and lots of reasons as to why that is. Some of them, which we can go into, well, some of it is around practices when it comes to rec um, recruitment. Some of it mm -hmm. is around major, the larger recruiters of uh, STEM subjects having um, sort of, uh, what's the phrase they use for it? Um, catchment schools where they go to, of which these yeah. schools might not cater to a predominantly black or a large um, ethnic minority population and all of that. So in terms of, for me, I look at it, the feed, the schools are where the feed comes from. Uh, mm -hmm. And when you go into those schools, you see sufficient representation of um, people of color. And then when you step into the industry, you find less of those people there. And yeah. what's that? What happens in between there? I think it comes down to uh, recruitment practices a lot of times. It also comes down to the awareness that young people have in our communities as to what opportunities um, are there. It, it's around uh, them having mentors. It's them, around them having people to let them know what opportunities are out there, letting them know to actually sometimes just try to apply. But if we talk about Black people having the skills to be represented in a lot of these areas, I don't think it's from a lack of skill. Mm. Um, I think there are quite a few other things which we could touch on uh, mm. uh, um, about getting people from education into professional practice. Mm. Mm. Well, you have, I think, and sorry to kind of, you talk about getting people from education into professional practice, but 
I actually think some of the underlying problems is pre-education. Yeah. So we, you know, we are talking a great deal with Black Lives Matter and all the awareness that's actually come about with the injustice that Black people face. Mm. What we are not really tackling, what a lot of what we are tackling in society is how um, our white friends and people of other colors react to us. What we're not quite tackling is our own self-belief and what we believe about our own race and the opportunities available to us. Mm -hmm. um, you talk about being a first-generation immigrant. So am I. So I was born in England, but I actually grew up in Nigeria. When I came back to study here, the one thing I found very quickly among even family members and friends was them telling me that my ambition was a waste of time. With people telling me, you think you're gonna go far, you think you're gonna get there, you're a smart guy, but this is the United Kingdom. There is a glass ceiling, there's only so far you could go. I remember people, I remember I was applying to University College London. I remember being told, no chance you're gonna get in there. Mm. And say, and I said, well, the way I was brought up is you try your best. If you fail, at least you tried. No. But that was my personal upbringing. But I had a host of people, including family, telling me that I shouldn't even bother because I'm not going to get that far. And they were mm. not, and people meant it in the right way. They were just trying to temper my ambition so I would maybe have a soft landing and get, you know, realize what it's like for everyone else. Mm. Well, so there is something fundamentally in our culture and it's not come from a bad place. It's come from people who have tried and been beaten several times and then almost kind of felt like they needed to tell everyone else. And I've worked with youth in, in London and it's the same problem. Extremely smart students, I'd say you could apply to Oxford and get in and they'd say no chance. I'm going to go yeah. to that other university that is not even in the top 100. Like, you've got all Asters. Why don't you give it a go? And But you would see this fundamental issue with our training and our culture that we are actually told not to even try. I was lucky enough to go to both University College London and Imperial College, which are top universities. And one thing I do remember is I didn't see my very many people who looked like me there. Mm. So what you've... and. I don't actually think I am overly intelligent. So I just applied and I got in. So I think a lot of people don't actually even try because we've been told. So that's the pre-education piece I'm bringing in, which culturally we've already been, we've already settled into a place of complacency and which is bred from failure because of injustice. Mm. But that also breeds an attitude of not even trying enough. And when you don't try, you don't get it. And yeah. that's not just, so trying is trying to get the best grades. Trying is trying to get into the best university that you possibly can. Trying is saying, I'm gonna apply for the top job in that company. And until they reject me, I will keep trying. And if I get a rejection in that, I'm going to apply for the next one. Okay. So there is something fundamental that I think is important that we address, which is in encouraging each other as a culture or as Black people 
to actually give it a go. Mm. So Matilda, I think we're jumping all over your scripts, yeah. but I'm just going to touch on something which I really, really like what, what David talked about there. Yeah. Um, and um, even right. though we, 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 he's, we call in this culture, I think as individuals and at collectively as a society, we are a product of our experiences. Uh, and some of what you've just recounted as to people um, not telling people, well, there's a glass ceiling, don't try too hard, is people talking based on their own experiences, based on what mm -hmm. they've seen, what they've gone through, and what they have, what they've experienced essentially. Now, when we look at the general trajectory of us as a collective of Black people. Um, mm. It's been up and up. It's not optimal. It's not the best. But if you cast your mind back to a couple of hundred years ago, we would not be sat here having this conversation. The setup will be kind of different. So there's ups and downs. But if we cast our minds to our progress, our trajectory as a people, it's been up and up and it will get better. So I think what we're starting to see is uh, the emergence of more and more people like yourself, David, like myself, who have tried. And with that general progress, that general progression we've had, opportunities are opening up. And we were just probably fortunate in some ways to have had some of that mindset to try uh, to apply yourselves, um, uh, that we, we were caught on the upwind of that. Um, and I think what the Black community needs to start seeing, funny thing, I was having this conversation with uh, one of the few Black colleagues I have, um, is that we need to start to break that stereotype of being the exceptional Negro, for lack of a better word to use, because what tends to happen is when you as a Black person are just the one Black person on there, um, you get these comments like, oh, you are so articulate, or oh, you're so this, or oh, you're so that. And what that sometimes could do to us as, as individuals is make you start to believe that yes maybe i am really special but actually no there are a lot of really really exceptionally talented accomplished um very well read and well traveled black people and we need to start to promote that a lot more and i think that's something which we need to do as individuals when people try to compliment you about oh you're not what i would expect for a black person it's up to you in some ways to either try to educate that person going like you know what there are a lot of black people who are just like me and at the mm -hmm. same time we need to start to own that image as a collective that it's yes there might be glass ceilings but there are black people breaking those glass ceilings uh -huh. And yeah. going feeding that back into the generations that come after us, like I said, we are a product, people are a product of their experiences. Some of us has, have had good experiences. We should try and pass those experiences, those good ones on to tell the people who are coming after us that you know what, the sky's not the limit. There's, yeah. there's planets out there. There's lots of places you can do. Go, all you have to do is try, keep trying. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. I don't want to make, say anything now. Let's just move on to the next question, right? I think you've all, you know, said, you know, uh, bits and pieces about that. So the next one, obviously, um, so what role to you, David? So what role does society needs to play in order to bridge this gap? It's a good question. I think um, I'm, my first son's about to go into secondary school and we are opening, we're obviously doing open days for schools and 
I was quite impressed yesterday um, when we did an open day for one of the schools in London where the head teacher was actually in, and this is one of the top schools in the country. And he said, we are black. There are, no, there are very few black children in this school and we need to change that. We actually need to have more black children in this school. Um, because it needs to be represented, representative of society. Yeah. So, and then he 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 tackled it, and he wasn't a black man. He tackled the fact that there was a underrepresentation in his school, mm-hmm. and he actively wanted to make sure, not necessarily just create a quota, but make sure that his school was reflective of society. I think there is something quite powerful about us as you know people think society you know solving the problem of underrepresentation is not a black thing to do it's something that all of society has come together and sort out but taking a step back what can you individually do i i do my very best do what i can to encourage other people mm-hmm. to try and you know, we talked about trying earlier, which is give it a go. I don't think, and you know, my dad said something to me once I came out of uni and got a job. He said you had to walk twice as hard. Mm. And um, I thought I said, Dad, that was your time, my time. You know, it's not like that. And then I realized the hard way. It's not quite as bad as his time, but I don't have days off. Let's put it that way, in, in the sense that you actually have to work hard to prove the fact that we could make it. So there is something about bridging, you talked about bridging that gap. I think Mm. we need to get more people, more black men and women Mm. into top universities. We need to get top, we need to get them believing in themselves. We need to get them applying for the right roles. We need them to understand societal cues and norms mm. that's a very important aspect because even if you go to the top university get the top job or start a business if you don't know how to interact with other people and understand how people climb within organizations or get business deals most being not right within the business must actually happen outside the walls of the business mm-hmm. um that becomes a challenge mm. so there is something about our education which is not just formal education but actually understanding how to interact with others yeah people in power how to is the softer skills we need to do a lot more to learn about Mm. And a lot of people talk about softer skills being a white thing. I don't think it is. It's just a societal thing. Mm. And it happens in Nigeria. It happens in South Africa. It happens everywhere in the world. If you don't know how to do the right things and speak to the right people mm. and work with them socially, mm. um, it's actually quite difficult for them to see the rounded person that you are. So in talking about, I know I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but talking about bridging the gap, there's a lot more than needs to happen. Society itself, the government needs to do more. Businesses need to do more. 
And I don't necessarily believe in just saying, I'm going to hire 50 black people. That's not, it's getting the black people for the job. It's getting the right people for the job, mm. but giving everyone a fair chance. Because yeah. um, I never want to go into a role where I'm chosen because I'm black. I want to go into a role because I'm the best person for the role. Yeah. But I am given an equal opportunity as well as everyone else is. Yeah. So I don't know if I've really answered that question, but I, I think a lot of it comes back to grassroots. Mm-hmm. And I know what I teach my children about who they are, believing in themselves, so mm-hmm. they can actually be whatever they want to do and, mm-hmm. be, and do whatever they want to do. And teaching mm-hmm. them a lot more about the softer skills because mm-hmm. if you've come from an African family like myself, all your taught is, you know, study, 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 mm-hmm. study, study. You're not taught much about, you know, sports or a lot of the extracurricular aspects that actually help you bond in society. Yeah. So there, it's those softer skills, actually, quite often the communication skills and the rest of it that actually takes people further. There's only so far. And, you know, it's said within the business place, when you're technical, your technical skills will take you to a certain level. After that, technical competency is just the expectations are given. Mm. After that, it's the softer skills. It's you understanding how a business works and what value you can add to it. Mm. Mm. They're the softer skills that we actually need to do to bridge mm. that gap. And I don't think we're fully equipped in that regard. Okay. All right then. Okay. Any questions? In this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go for I it. I was just, I was just waiting. And one thing I just want to say, like, um, I did my education also here in the UK, and sometimes something that we are lacking as black, black student is the fact that we don't have a lot of teachers that are black women or men, and especially the stu- the schools that I went to, the private school, I didn't see any, okay, I had one private school teacher, but she wasn't a teacher. She was just, you know, assisting other teacher. Mm. So we need um, uh, role models that are teachers, for example, for different subjects, because there are st- uh, students, that black students that get in trouble. And sometimes the white, the white teacher, they won't understand why, she or he might you know and he's getting he's getting in trouble and you know because they don't know how we live how how our lives are because it's very different because they benefit from the white supremacy we don't benefit from a white supremacy so it's, it's gonna be hard for them to understand what a student's going through mm-hmm. and one thing I'm also I'm gonna say oh I'm not I'm not against education I'm not against going to university I just believe that parents need to start teaching their kids about finance you know it's always about school finishing mm. school going to uni and going to uni going to you know getting a job and you know it's always yeah. about that it's about teaching your kids about economy it's teaching about mm. your kids about building new business businesses for generation after generation and yeah. how that money that the black money to be circulating in the black community. That's mm. how the Jewish are doing it. That's how the Chinese are doing it. That's mm. how the Indians, that's how, you know, those other races are doing it. It's always, it's not always about education or the courses. It's also about, you know, <laughs> teaching your kid about finance. Mm. 
Mm. You know, mm. yeah, mm. that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, speaker. Beautiful points. You should you should get Inesh to 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 basically host one of these. Um, the one thing I would want to say to that is when we yeah. say education, totally agree with you. My parents were all about go to school, read till mm. you can't see. I wear glasses now. Pretty much all of my family wears glasses, um, and literally, I didn't do any sports or anything growing up. Um, but I think growing up and everything, even after going through like school and everything, a lot of what you've just talked about teaching kids about finance, business building, that in itself is education. So mm-hmm. I think what we need to do as a community, one of the things we need to do is broaden that spectrum of what we describe as education it's not just going to school and having a formal learning or anything it's not even always about getting a degree sometimes there are amazing apprenticeship programs that operate here in the UK Um, I'll give you a personal example of all of my uh, my siblings I have one sister who my parents were obsessed with her becoming a doctor she just Mm -hmm. didn't have it in her she was a couple of years older than me. She tried a couple of th- times until finally my mom asked her, what do you want to do? And she wanted to um, do something that was social science related. And she did her interesting exams and all, got into school straight away. And well, that was it. It, it. it all went up from there. So sometimes it's about us um, taking away some of what our expectations or our desires or some of the things which we wanted to do as parents, stepping back and actually letting these kids get to know your children. What are they good at? And when I say get to know your children, being honest with yourself as sometimes that kid you want to be an engineer, he does not know math. You could get him all of the tutoring that you could ever get anywhere in the world, but sometimes it takes that brutal honesty um, just to step back and actually push your children in the right direction and education doesn't happen completely in the classroom Mm. Um, the other thing which I wanted to touch on which um, you mentioned um, I have a few notes which I scribbled uh, around to talk to and um, it was quite powerful the way you described it Um, I read somewhere where was it I was reading where they talked about um, inequalities and all being a product of two things, prejudice and power. So prejudice Mm. where you think I'm better than this person. And then you having the power to be in a situation where you can actually extend those prejudices to, Mm. to impact the other person detrimentally. Now, that power, I think we need to take back some of that as a black community. And where would that come from? Some of what Inesh just talked about teaching our people about finances. Mm. Uh, Some of it is also about building up black economic empowerment. Some of it Mm. is about getting people to go into businesses. And for us as a people, supporting black businesses, Mm. supporting black businesses, because this is us supporting each other. And that's what what Ines just mentioned uh, uh, right now. And that power, that economic power has to be built from the ground up. So that's where you start to talk about things like generational wealth. It's basically having some of those building blocks of economic power being consolidated within a community and then passed on to generations. Mm. Uh, The last thing I'll say on this, um, and it's one thing which uh, David touched on, um, is around, and I think Inesh talked about it a little bit, it's that whole representation piece, um, you wanting to be in school and look up and see your teacher look a little bit like you, Um, and it's something which plagues me right now because um, I grew up in Nigeria. I did not move to Europe till I was in my 20s. So my identity is Nigerian to the very core. Mm. All of my teachers were black. 
everybody mm-hmm. around me. I did not even understand the concept of being a black person until mm-hmm. I was in my 20s. But at that point, my identity was pretty much fully formed. You can't call me something or tell me something I don't think I know I am already. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of kids growing up in a society where they're minorities, that's probably not the case, which is where networks and mentoring come into play. Um, So when I talk about a lot of these um, successful Black people, um, one thing which I I think I see a lot around in in Black communities is when we are successful and all what we want to do is stick a massive umbrella or like a tarpaulin and hide underneath it. We need to shine that light so other people see that and use that as um, it, that provides a boost or courage for them to shine as well. So mentoring as the black person in a position of either authority or power or in a position of in any way privilege, um, do what you can to encourage other people, share your story. Um, uh, don't be afraid to, to, to actually come together with people who know like you, who look like you. Um, and, and just pass it on. I think, like I said at the, one, at the start, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We've seen that positive sort of quite slow, but progress over time. And that comes from people actually making a change in their time and ensuring that that change and those learnings are passed on for the people who come after them. Mm, mm, mm. I'm going to stop there before I get carried, one, too carried away. And one, <laughs> and one thing I want to say, and also um, this is for all the parents that um, are watching this, especially black parents. And I really, I had it. I really, honestly, I went to my first school when I came here to, to the UK. It was private school. I went to a private school. And sometimes, yes, I had difficult at school, you know, when it came to language, when it came to, you know, the system and everything, the education and stuff. And I struggled a lot. And some of the time, my dad did not understand some of it he understood but some sometimes he couldn't understand you know and sometimes it's because some subject I, I wasn't really good at it it's not also it's not because I was not smart enough it's mm-hmm. also the way like they didn't understand me and I did not understand them mm-hmm. and you know they'll just you know put you as a oh she's not she's not she's not a good she's not a good student or she needs more, she's, she needs more support. And sometimes it wasn't support. It's also about a role model. Like I didn't see any, I didn't have any teacher that was black. I didn't mm. have any teacher who was like, even mm. Caribbeans, I didn't mm. have that. And for me to go to science class, sometimes I, I couldn't be paying attention because I didn't, you know, I didn't really care that much because because I didn't, I didn't have a, a student, a, a teacher that would understand me. Like I did, I did have in year six where a Somalian woman, Miss Mizara, understood me and helped me and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we need that. Uh, what's this, what's this, a support? You know, parents mm-hmm. need to start supporting their kids and stop comparing. Please stop comparing mm-hmm. your kids with other other kids. Mm-hmm. If they're getting A star and your kids is getting C's and stuff support them mm. you know it's not about oh look at her she's doing she's getting a stuff maybe that's not the talent that god gave to her that's that course is not for her maybe she's good at history maybe she's good at pe and it's okay to like music and it's okay to like new uh, other subjects that i know is based like you know it's not it's always about i want to be a doctor a lawyer or mm. 
a scientist. It's not like that. Music is okay as well. Other subjects are okay. You know, mm. we are different. We are unique mm. in our own ways. Also, mm. we have different talents. It doesn't mean that that kid is good at science and the other kid is good at music. That means that her life or her, his life is over. It's not like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Thanks, Inesh. Um, you'll be one of the guest speakers very soon. <laughs> You're not running away from it. Uh, well, you know, I'm conscious of time, right? So, um, Mr. David, so I think just what role do we need to play as individuals? I know you've touched it just in a few bullet points. What role do we need to play as individuals in order to bridge the gap? Um, so I think a few of those points have been raised already. Um, I believe in, in there's a lot of talk about parenting, mm. but actually a lot of black people may not necessarily have, you know, a dad may not be around, or a dad may not have the experience, or a mom may not have the experience. Mm. So there is something really powerful about community, and there is something about almost kind of adoption. And what I mean by that is you know, taking on being a big brother to someone else and being a big sister to someone else and being an uncle. Mm. And, um, you know, quite often I know when I was growing up, other people took interest in my life and that made me believe even more in myself. Mm. So there is something really powerful about actually having black male role models mm. who, who would tell you, you are special. You could do something with your life. You could mm. go somewhere. I think that doesn't always just come from parents. So for me, I actually am quite, I'm trying to set up a community among even friends and family to ensure that my kids have other people they can talk to. The mm. things they would rather not talk to me about, but I'd rather they have an uncle that can go and talk about a struggle. Mm -hmm. or an auntie or a friend mm -hmm. so individually i think it's important that we take on other people be take interest in at least one other person mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's especially in formative years when you're a teenager when you're a, you're a child when even you're in your 20s and actually sometimes you know i just turned 40 this year I need a mentor. i need you know i, I actually go and talk to people who mm -hmm. are older than me and say look how did you cope? How did you get to where you got to? Mm -hmm. And there is just something really powerful about hearing somebody else's experience that makes you think, you know what, if you did it, I could do it. Yeah. So yeah. I think the biggest thing that we could do as individuals is to come alongside at least one other person. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Mr. Michael, your take on that? Uh, I think I'd, I'd bring it back to us as individuals um, and it's around a lot of the things which we've talked about um, be ambitious be ambitious be ambitious own your own narrative um, yeah that's something I'm really really passionate about because uh, the world, society at large, will try very hard to tell you who you are, but you, sometimes you need to look deep within yourself, within your community. You need to look to people like uh, some of those David has described um, to 
understand who you are as an individual and own that narrative. Um, and the last piece I'll talk to is, again, coming back to how we've progressed over time, over history, um, is things are improving. Things are improving. I talked to my dad um, and he describes um, his time when he was a student. God knows my dad's in his 80s now. And he went to he went to graduate school in Liverpool ages and ages ago. And he describes some of his experiences. And I'm just like, mm. what? Um, but the tides are turning. And, and I think it's left for us as individuals to be prepared to seize the day. Um, so be be ready to put in the work, be ready to go out on a limb, be ready to try something, be ready to put yourself out there uh, as long as you've done the groundwork to, to build up yourself or build that foundation that you need to take, uh, a, a take on that opportunity that, that could just be around the corner. So again, I'd say as individuals, it's just looking inwards into ourselves, looking inwards into our communities um, and owning our own narrative, knowing what are we as a group, as a, as a collective. Um, and yeah. Okay. I like that. add something to that quickly before we move on. I think yeah. Um, yeah. I was just inspired by that piece in the sense that things are changing, true, but not quickly enough for my children. So my mm. children are already experiencing things that I even didn't experience as a kid. Mm. I grew up in Nigeria. So I do agree with that. And I think black people as an individual need to do more to get into places of influence, mm. be it businesses, be it schools, like you talked about, be it society, whatever it is, we need to get into places of influence mm. because that's where you can actually change the narrative. Yeah. When you're on the outside trying to, you know, with a placard, trying to get people to notice, that's very different from mm. you are the decision maker when you've got a seat at the table mm. representing your community, representing equality, not just for Black people, but across the board. Oh, okay. That is extremely powerful. And every now and then, personally, um, Every now and then I come back to my wife and say, God, you know, it's it's hard work just pushing through in quote what they call the glass ceiling. It's hard work pushing mm -hmm. forward. And we're comfortable enough. Do I even need to keep going? And then remember, <laughs> <laughs> we're comfortable enough, you know, do I do I need to get to the next stage? Do I and then I kind of take a step back and think, actually, I do for the sake mm -hmm. of my kids, for the sake yeah. of my people. I yeah. do, because with that, it's a lot more than money comes yeah. influence, comes yeah. ability to have a seat at the table. Yeah. And yeah. that's absolutely crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Nelly, do you have anything to say? Any comment from your end? <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys can see me. If you can see we me. We can't see you, no. <laughs> and hear you. Uh, can you okay, see we me? can see you now, yes. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, uh, well, uh, I've been listening to everyone. I think I'm, I'm struck and I'm more uh, uh, intrigued by the comments of Ines. Yeah. Um, I, when she was talking, so many things ran through my mind and uh, it's really, really sad, you know? I was just thinking of so many things that could lead to uh, our inability to achieve some of these things, the things that have caused a lot of setbacks. Mm. 
um, Dave did mention the issue of, uh, you know, uh, trying to get things across the community. And my question has always been, which community? Mm. What's, who makes up this community? Mm. <laughs> so the issue, again, I've been thinking within me, because I like looking at things holistically. I don't look at things from this um, sectional point of view. I'll give you an instance. Um, I know this is me seeing Mike. I've, I don't think I've seen Mike in the last seven, five to seven years now. It has been a while. We're here in the UK. It's been a while. You see what I mean? So yep. now what we're seeing here, think of it in this way. It's all, what we're seeing here is limited. It's limited to just six of us. And I tell you the truth, and that is the honest truth. If we leave this forum, unless I get the opportunity to discuss with someone else, who even has the time to listen? Mm. I, as a person, I know how many people, okay, let's put it this way. In the last couple of months, I've had a lot to do with the Nigerian diplomatic mission here mm. in the UK. A lot of us here, if you mention that mission, it's like you're mentioning, you're cracking something. You're cracking a wound. They don't want to go there. They don't want to hear anything. If there's anything, they can just go do that idea of lining up. I know why I'm mentioning these things. Take the, just take note of the things I'm going to mention. Now, I was having the same view until I decided, I took a bold step, that let me go in there and find out what's going on. The question is, how will I go in there? Knowing that it's a diploma, it's in Nigeria, outside Nigeria. I took the pains, I went in. Luckily, I got to do some things in logistics with them. That made me understand that that embassy has about six-story buildings. That made me understand that at the top is the foreign mission. The next is where you have the military attache for the army. Mm. The next is Navy. The next is Nigerian Intelligence Agency. The next is a team, personnel and all that. Then the next is immigration. Then on that, underneath, underground is where you have the visa section. I understood all these things. Make, put it this way, I was very close to the head of immigration. So I became mm -hmm. close to them. That made me understand the association with the likes of all these Abu Salami, Abu Bakr, the major generals that keep coming. I know their houses now. But I had been in this UK with all of us here. I never knew all these things. Mm -hmm. And then I got to understand what they're doing there. Each person's child is given an opportunity to work there. And then mm -hmm. you see that there, is, there are people they call local staff who work there. These things are black issues. That's mm -hmm. why I'm mentioning it. Now, at the end of the day, you have people coming to the embassy for one thing or the other. If you have 100 people coming to the embassy every day, 90 come there for immigration-related matters. The rest do not know their ups and downs in that place. And these are things people should know. I'm not making the case for the embassy, but that's how that, after all, I'm on my way out. After we left BP, I, I mean, while we were in BP, I attended a conference in Shell, in Waterloo. That conference was Shell in Nigeria, 50 years of existence. That was the title. 
So the, you have people from China, Dubai, wherever, UK, US, logging on, global, they were the, the top people of Shell. They were all watching. And the focus was on Ogoni, Ogoni land. And you, uh, uh, the host, you know, when we left, I had to move on. LBD is here, he knows. I went back to Middlesex University to do another postgraduate program on environmental management because of the plan I had to set up an environmental management company in Nigeria. I had worked in Shell. My mom worked there for 21 years and retired. I've, I went through more than 30 flow stations of Shell in my, when I was the age of Ines. I was literally sleeping in Soku field or, or different fields of Shell. And now, when we went in here, the forum had about 300 people gathered in that hall. I'm in Shell here in Waterloo. Only for us to get in there, everybody sat down and I was looking at people. I, was, I couldn't understand it. I saw some Ghanaians, some few Nigerians, and all that. And the funniest thing is the Nigerian people there who sat there. I looked around people sitting by next to me, and we were interacting, we were talking. And then when they started talking, people on the high table, this was in 2015 or 2014, yeah. 2015, yeah. They now said, Oh, it's time for questions. I quickly rose my hands up. In that whole great hall, I rose my hand up. People were watching. Then it was for me to ask a question. And I asked, all of us gathered here, and we're talking about Oguni land. I said, are there people from Oguni who are here to even listen to this thing we're talking here, to be able to pass the message back to those who are back home, who yeah. can't come here? And you know, immediately I asked that question, somebody who was sitting right at the top, top table there wanted yeah. to stop me from talking. And then a lady who is in US, who was logging on, you know, she was watching, everybody was listening. The lady said, excuse us, can you allow Nelson to speak? <laughs> the person who wanted to shout me down was yeah. a black man. Yeah. You see what I'm trying to say? So these yeah. are some of the problems that hinder. People do not yeah. let us, like Ines mentioned, you need a role model, education. They yeah. said, yeah, you need to teach people in a community. But then that man stopped me from mentioning things that I need to mention that would be informative to people sitting there. Of course, majority of those sitting there have never been to, some have not been to Nigeria. Yeah. These are some of the problems we're having. So looking at what we have here now, how do we cascade this information, this knowledge we're passing here now? How do you put it across to the people? The people who have within even your own borough, how the, or does it end there? Or does this discussion end and die with us? Mm, mm. Or do we go into having it like we finish here, we find a, a, any of the African magazines or Nigerian magazines and then try to have a, a, column, a, a column there and put down yeah. these things there and people can now read and see what is going on or how? Or does it just end here and yes. then that's <laughs> it? <laughs> no, it will end anyway, here. That's my view. <laughs> It will end here. I think that's that's the next step. I think we're building on that because it's a continuous one, isn't it? So the, okay. uh, like what you said, the African magazine and all that, we're look, I'm actually looking into that as we speak. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so we're running out of time. One minute, one minute, David, what advice do you have for the young stars out there? Quickly, and I'll pass on to Michael. Mr. Michael, what advice do you have? 
Drink. In one second, two seconds, Mr. Mike, Mr. Believe Davis. in yourself, drink mm -hmm. big, mm -hmm. you find out who you are, yeah, and actually push yourself to your very limit. Okay, thank Shine. you, thank you, Mr. David. Mr. Michael, two seconds. What like, advice do you have? Like I said, the future is bright, things are getting better. Maybe not quickly, but they will get better. Put yourself in a position where you can, your best place to take advantages of whatever's coming ahead and own your personal narrative. Okay. Look inwards to define who you are. Don't let society tell you who you are. Okay, thank you. Thank you, my guest speakers. As you know, as you know, time is always an issue. And um, obviously we will have more more events and also what Nelly has said, I think we will take it to the next level. And also thank you, Mr. David, for taking our time. Thank you, Inesh, for taking our time. Michael, Nelly, LBD, thank you as well. And also we would obviously be sending you know, minutes of this event and also invite you for subsequent ones because we hold it every fortnight, right? So we will invite you for subsequent ones as well. Thank you. And have a nice evening and a wonderful weekend. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Thank you very much, Matilda. Thanks, everyone. Mickey, Mickey, let's try and communicate, Mike. Let's communicate, man. Will do. Um, look me up on LinkedIn. Just I, I'm not sure I still have your number. No, just look me up on no LinkedIn problem. and we can connect on there. Okay. All right, then. Bye. All right, take care. No bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. No bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye.